It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one. Four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, February 27th, 2014. Thank you for being here tonight and joining us on the program, and we'll look forward to hearing from you on the toll-free line, 877-381-4567. You can email us questions at collegeview.com. You can use the chat window to the bottom of your video feed on the website tonight if you're listening to us live on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Looking forward to a good discussion. Good to be with you as well. Jack is behind the controls. Thank you for coming, Jack, and taking time out of your schedule. Look forward to hearing from you during the program as well. And uh, we want to hear from our listeners as well, so please uh, join in the discussion. You've got a very interesting and important Topic planned for tonight. Yeah, uh, thinking about something that we could study tonight, I, I realized a topic that we had not really ever considered in detail was sort of a defense of Jesus, you know, his his identity and his character and his conduct, because that's obviously been something that skeptics have attacked since since he was uh, here on earth, you know, ever since the first century when Jesus walked among men. The skeptics and the doubters have tried to attack his, the credibility of his claim to be the divine son of God. And in order to discredit him, they've tried to prove that some of the things that he did were sinful and wrong. All right. And uh, we'll talk about that. Some uh, are misunderstood, don't want to discredit Jesus, but misunderstood about some of his character. Even some who follow Jesus or claim to, uh, or claim to follow Jesus, yeah. I think, have some mistaken views about him. So, <laughs> so we're going to try to cover this. tonight. All right. Again, we want to hear from you tonight. Look forward to uh, your participation. Several topics uh, that you want to discuss tonight. We're going to be busy. Yeah, we got several things to cover, so we'll jump right into it. We sent out this list of things. We won't read them all right up front, but we sent out a list of our topics for consideration to our update list earlier today. We always remind you that if you're not on our update list, you can get on it by sending a message to questions at collegeview.com and just say, add me to the list earlier today. All right. We indicated we were going to talk about some false ideas about Jesus and some false charges that have been made against him. So we'll just start out. We're going to start out first about the false ideas that have been promoted. As you said, Jacob, some by enemies of Christ, others by uh, nominal followers of Christ, but maybe wrong in some of their understandings about Jesus. So we're going to try to talk about all of that. Let's start out with the very first one. Do you, need got, a, do you need to go get a drink? I'm going to go get well, a drink. I mean, if you, uh, then Jack will help you out. Uh, uh, how would you answer the false ideas that uh, – that's, that's all right. That's all right. I, I'm going to be all right. How would you answer the false ideas that have been promoted concerning Jesus? First of all, that Jesus never really existed. I found a, uh, a couple of quotes, Jacob, the, that there are actually some who say there, would never, there never was such a man named Jesus at all. They, I mean, not only was he not who he claimed to be, he wasn't. He was. He couldn't have claimed to be anything because he wasn't. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a German historian named Bruno Bauer uh, in the middle of the 19th century uh, denied the, the reality of Jesus. And 
maybe one that you have heard of. Some people have heard of this uh, in our own lifetimes, the Great Soviet Encyclopedia, which was published in Moscow in 1952. Of course, it, the intention of it was to promote communism and atheism. And in the Great Soviet Encyclopedia of 1952, there's just a two-line entry. If you looked up Jesus in that encyclopedia, it states this is the name of the mythological founder of Christianity. Wow. So maybe so, that great Soviet encyclopedia wasn't so great after all. Yeah, I don't think it was so great, but it's obviously prejudiced. And, and, and that's the full coverage they gave to Jesus, that he was just a, a mythological character and the supposed founder of Christianity. You know, anybody who would take that view is just ignoring uh, an abundance of, of historical information. That, you know, really, the, the true critics of Christ have never doubted the reality that there was a man who lived named Jesus. Right. Now, there, there are plenty who would try to deny some of the claims that Jesus made and some of the accounts of what he did. But I, I think you'd be way out on a limb and not a, and not a very strong one at all if you tried to argue there never was a man named Jesus uh, who lived in that time, uh, who lived in that geographical area and so forth. Right. Um, uh, Stephen in the chat room references Josephus uh, that he wrote about him in the first century. Yeah, in Antiquities, Josephus mentions Jesus twice in Antiquities at uh, marker 18.3.3 and at 20.9.1 you can read about it. The Babylonian Talmud refers to Jesus uh, and his trial by the Sanhedrin. Uh, the prominent Hebrew uh, scholar, uh, Joseph Klausner, in his book, Jesus of Nazareth, had an extensive section demonstrating the Hebrew evidence for Christ. Now, again, uh, not that he was a believer that Jesus was the Son of God, but he did not dispute yes. uh, the the reality of Jesus. There are several Roman sources documenting the historicity of Jesus. Pliny, governor of Bithynia, wrote a letter to the Roman emperor Trajan in A.D. 112, uh, he, he referred to the fact that Christians gather on a certain day to worship Christ as if he were a god, it says. The historian Tacitus in his Annals, A.D. 115, comments regarding one Christus who was condemned to death by Pontius Pilate. And finally, Sidonius, A.D. 120, secretary to the Roman emperor Hadrian, uh, mentions the expulsion of certain Jews from Rome due to the controversy surrounding Christus. Yes. And so, I mean, those that doesn't that doesn't confirm at all whether Jesus was the Son of God, but it certainly confirmed plenty of secular, uninspired sources that confirm that there was such a man named Jesus. All right, uh, it's, Randy in Schwartz Creek, Michigan says secular history shows us that Jesus did exist, and at the time the Bible uh, timeline the Bible gives us. Thank you, Randy, for that. Ramona references the same. Uh, works that you referenced that reference Jesus. And then Patrick in Birmingham says, in brief, I would note that there are references to Jesus in historical documents, such as those by Josephus, Tacitus, Suetonius, uh, and Pliny the Younger. There are, are references to Jesus in the Jewish Talmud, which uh, take his existence for granted, despite the fact that the Jews who remain Jewish certainly would have no reason to promote Christianity. So there's a, that's sort of evidence from a, from a hostile, uh, hostile source. source. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, there are records of the church itself, not to mention the mere existence of the Christian religion. Evidence supporting the credibility of all these sources would be too in-depth for this discussion. Yeah, but, but what we're saying is anybody who cares to make uh, even a cursory investigation of the matter would not argue that there never was a Jesus. I yep. mean, that, that's a given, and it's not yes. it's not arguable. All right. All right.
So that, that, that one I think we can cover pretty fast, Jacob, right. and, and we'll move on. On to your next uh, one. Let's see. You're good. Uh, in, in, in the chat room, uh, Stephen in the chat room mentions uh, 1 Corinthians 15 records over 500 eyewitnesses. That's of the resurrection specifically. Right. And and kind of interesting there in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says there were more than 500 brethren who saw Jesus at one time. And he said, and most remain unto this day, although some have fallen asleep. In other words, the, the reports of Jesus were circulated during the lifetime of the eyewitnesses. It mm-hmm. wasn't like this was a, a myth that was dreamed up hundreds of years after the fact. Uh, the, the eyewitnesses, the, the disciples who were with Jesus, were, were giving their story in their lifetime and, and were available for cross-examination, so okay. to speak. All right. All right. Okay, so now I think that one's easy. That's the, that may be the easiest one of all, Jacob, so yes. we, we can move on. The second one is is a, a I think a false understanding about Jesus that is held by some who are believers or you know who who claim allegiance to Jesus and that is the idea that Jesus was a created being. Yes. Uh what about that? Uh you know there was God and then God created Jesus. And uh I I think it's I think it's a mistaken view uh, and, and I would offer a couple of passages in argumentation, and we can see what some others say. Notice in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, if you have any doubt who John's talking about when he identifies the Word there, you skip down in the same chapter John chapter 1, verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So he's talking about Jesus, and he calls him the word. Yeah. And he says the word was with God in the beginning. But notice, I think verse 3 is, is the clincher here. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Yes. Now, that would exclude him from made things, right? Right. In other words, he he was involved in the creation of all things. Nothing was created without him. Well, then that would mean that he himself could not have been a created thing. That verse excludes that possibility. It does. In First or Colossians chapter one verse sixteen goes into some more detail. It says, "For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Even things in heaven." were created by Jesus. Yep. Jesus could not have been a created being because that verse in uh, 1 Corinthians 1, or Colossians 1.16 would not uh, allow it. Would allow not it. allow it. Yeah, so I, I, that's, that's my answer to it. John uh, chapter 8, verse 58 also uses uh, some terminology about Jesus that indicates that he's eternal. He, Jesus said of himself, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Same word, same term that uh, God used to describe himself, and, and in, a term that indicates eterna, eternality in uh, Jesus' uh, being. Now, the problem that, that arises is a couple of expressions that we find in other New Testament texts. You were just reading from Colossians, Jacob. And in Colossians chapter 1, at verse 15, uh, it says concerning Jesus, Colossians 1, verse 15, uh, it's talking about Jesus, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Who is the, verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Correct. And then it goes on to the verse that you just read. Right. Uh, by him were all things created. Well, the expression firstborn of every creature is used by some people to suggest, well, firstborn. He's the firstborn. In other words, 
I have four children, Jacob. You are my firstborn. Mm-hmm. But that means you were born. Now, there was a time when you didn't exist, and then right. you were you were born. And some people would say that that's the suggestion there. God has lots of sons. God created lots of things. Jesus was his firstborn child. Right. So being the idea that Jesus was the first of his creation. I think here that the answer to that is that not that he had a, a point of beginning, but it's a reference to his uh, rank. Yes. It's a, it's a, you know, especially in the Old Testament times, the firstborn child had the birthright, had the, had, the, had the double inheritance, had the, had the privilege. Uh, was, he, he, was, he, be, he was preeminent. Preeminent. And I think that's, that expression is being used there not to describe his order of creation, but talking about his order of rank. Because if it was order of creation, it would contradict the, the very next verse that you just read, suggesting that he could not himself have been a created being. Yeah. So that has to be, in other words, we can't have two verses, especially verses right next to each other, that, that are contradicting yeah. each other. And so that statement that he's the firstborn of God, a firstborn of every creature, means that he is of highest rank. Well, in verse all. 18, uh, it, it makes it, it, it concludes or cons, uh, it goes along with what you've said there, verse 18 of Colossians 1. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have or may have the preeminence. Jesus has the preeminence there in verse 18. Uh, so as you said, he's the firstborn of all creation. He is the preeminent uh, over that creation. And uh, the same terminology of firstborn is used there in verse 18. says he's the firstborn from the dead. Jesus was not the first person to ever be raised from the dead. Many people have been raised from the dead prior to Jesus, Lazarus being one of those who was raised from the dead. So it's clearly in verse 18, firstborn does not mean the first yeah. in line there. It means the preeminent. It, it wouldn't be order it, chronological It's, it's order. not a chronological order there, Could firstborn. Be. Doesn't, Could be. Couldn't Could. be in verse 18, yeah. and nor is it in verse 15. Okay, very good, very good. Okay. Also in Revelation chapter 3, at verse uh, 14, uh, unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Mm-hmm. Now that's another expression that's used by some to say, well, he was the beginning. He was the first thing God created. He was the beginning of the creation. But that's that's not a right understanding uh, of of the wording there. Uh, Robertson, A.T. Robertson says it's not the first of creatures, but the originating source of creation. And right. so uh, the word beginning here uh, in the text is a reference to Christ as the first cause of creation. Right. He's what sparked beginning. He's what got beginning. it going. He's the no, beginning. He's the beginning. Yeah. We, we might say he, he was the beginner of it rather yeah. than the beginning of it. But that's the, that's the notion there in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. All right. Uh, and, Jack, you've got a good comment in the chat room. Why don't you just go ahead and share it with us here? Uh. I just simply pulled Micah 5.2, which states that the Messianic king was to come from everlasting. So indicating that he, was he was from sure. everlasting. All right. Very good. All right. Let's, Jacob, let's take a break and come back and look. at. We, we've got a little dissension in some of our responders, and we'll, we'll cover that on this question, specifically, was Jesus created or not, when we come back from the break. But guess 617 in the chat room says, if Christ is of a higher of higher rank, does that suggest a hierarchy within the Godhead? Yes, it does uh, suggest a, there is a hierarchy, hierarchy in the Godhead, but Jesus is not higher than the Father. Uh, he's, he's higher than creation. He's over creation, but he's not over the Father. Yeah, there is not, a hierarchy in the, in the Godhead. He's not higher than God. I think that's right. 
Uh, maybe we'll comment more about that when we get back to the break. All right. We'll take your thoughts uh, during the break in the chat room. We'd like to hear from you there or on the phone. The phone line's wide open. It's toll-free. If you disagree with us, we'd love to hear from you. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Enjoying the Virtual Bible Study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hello, everyone. I'm Britt Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Here's some quotes worth pondering. You have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you can steer yourself in any direction you choose, you're on your own. But remember, you will be ultimately accountable for your choices. It is never too late to be what you ought to be. I'm not upset that you lied to me, I'm upset that from now on I can't trust you. Man, wish I'd said that. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight, talking about some misconceptions about uh, Jesus. And we left off with the uh, misconception that Jesus was the first created being. Yeah, we got a response from Stephen. Stephen's in the chat room as well. Stephen disagrees with us on this subject. He said the debate is, this debate is as old as 325 A.D. in the Nicene Council. Arian argued on the authority of Scripture, specifically Colossians 1, 13 through 16, and he references verse 15, he is the image of the visible God, the firstborn of all creation. Linking the, the truth found in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and we exist through him. However, not all men have this knowledge. In my mind, this, along with many other Scriptures, indicates that somewhere in eternity past, as we view it, God created one, Jesus, who created everything else. This still positions Jesus as the, quote, God of creation and answers many problematic scriptures that get left out of the argument. One example is Christ's statement to the woman at the tomb, uh, John 20, verse 17, Stop clinging to me, for I have not ascended to my Father, but I go to heaven and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Jesus is God, but never referred to as Almighty God. Simply because a certain denomination teaches along this line, they err in certain points, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, is no reason to miss the basic point. Within Church of Christ, I may be the one lone voice on this one, but I feel secure, backed by God's word. Uh, well, Stephen, I mean, you suggest there are many other, you, you use yeah. the scripture, many other scriptures indicating that, that in my mind, along with many other scriptures, indicating that somewhere in eternity past, as we view it, God created one, Jesus, who created everything what are those scriptures? I don't know them. Well, send them in the chat room. We'd like to see them uh, because we've, the ones you've shown do not uh, teach that. Clearly, we've shown they do not show us some of the other verses you believe teach that Jesus was created, and uh, and let us hear from you on that. 
Uh, let's take some of our other listeners' questions. Randy in the chat room uh, references uh, Jehovah our God called Jesus uh, God, as we read in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. Uh, and so we'll, and we're going to get into Hebrews chapter one, uh, here as we get into the next misconception about Jesus that we want to talk about. So we'll hold some of those verses for then. Ramona in, uh, Texas says that he was, uh, that there are a number of passages that assert the eternality of the word, which, who became flesh, John one, verse 14. Isaiah, Isaiah shows him as everlasting in nine, in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. And Micah says that his goings forth have been from everlasting and Micah chapter five, verse two. Uh, when uh, John affirms in uh, John chapter one verse one, the beginning was the Word, uh, he uh, employs a perfect, an imperfect tense form, which suggests continuous, timeless existence, and uh, and 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 so on. So we appreciate those from Ramona uh, and uh, Patrick from Birmingham says this is the heresy of Arianism, which arose in the fourth century. Uh, the church dealt with this since the church dealt with this heresy in the fourth century. I would direct others to a link, and he gives an article. And you can do a lot of research on the internet. And I, don't, I can't read. You won't be able to follow me if I read that link. But you could do a search for Arianism, and uh, that that uh, and even in the in the email that Stephen sent in, he mentions this Arian who made this argument back in the fourth century, and so. Uh, yeah, it's been around a long time. I just I don't think it's true. All right, Stephen references some other passages he thinks uh, show that Jesus was created. The first one being First Timothy chapter two verse five. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. We don't deny that Jesus was a man. That doesn't prove that uh, he was uh, created uh, as a deity as, a, as deity he was created. He was definitely created as a man. During, during his time on yeah, earth. He became man. He became flesh. Yeah. But there that, was a beginning to that. There was no beginning to his, his spiritual divine nature. Existence, yeah. And right. spiritual existence. He also references Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 uh, tells us uh, that who, being in the form of God, thought it not uh, robbery or robbery to be equal with God. I guess he's keen in there on the fact that he was in the form of God and that he was uh, equal to God. I, I, I don't think that, uh, that that proves anything there. It says there very clearly that he was equal to God. Yeah, he was uh, God. He was equal with God. But he took on the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't see that that proves him being created. All right. He references Ephesians chapter 4, 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. The, Verse 7. Uh, verse seven says, "But to each of us, uh, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift." Uh, so, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I got right, there, I, then it says, "Therefore, I apologize." Therefore, it says, "When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts of get to men." So, it's indicating that he is not uh, just a mortal man. Okay, okay. not a man. And I don't think Stephen would argue that he is. You know, holds a unique. Spot. I, I think our total disagreement with Stephen would be over the question of was he created or not. These verses are not arguing that he was created, and we certainly understand that he holds a special spot and a special rank. Uh, we agree with Stephen on that. He yeah. agrees with us yeah. on that. Well, he may yeah. be keying in here on the fact there's one Lord, and then there's, it says there's one God and Father of all. Well, the, the, the God, the Father, and Jesus Christ. We believe are, they are, are distinct are beings. Distinct in fact, beings. we're going to talk about that here right. in a minute. We're going to talk about him. He, he references his, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, and that says... Uh, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and uh, we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we live. Well, uh, I, I think that uh, he's 
he keying in there on the difference between uh, that God uh, of whom are all things from God the Father and through whom are all things through Jesus Christ. They had different roles in creation uh, of of the of the world, but that doesn't mean that Jesus was created. Well, it, but to put the to put the interpretation on that verse, no, I think the key that Stephen's using there. There's one God the Father of whom are all things, and and we by Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things. In other words, he's taking a position. God created Jesus. Jesus created everything else, and using and he's trying to use that wording to come to that conclusion. But if you put that interpretation on that verse, then it contradicts Colossians three sixteen. It it contradicts James or John chapter one verse three. And that is not the only interpretation that you that that, that interpretation yeah. that he's making is not the only one that's no. Valid and so we we would interpret this verse uh, to just be talking about both of them and their role in the creation of all things. Yeah. And that would harmonize then with Colossians uh, one sixteen and uh, no, it was three. What what am I saying? I'm back. Is that is Colossians? Colossians one sixteen. Sixteen and John chapter one verse three. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, he, then finally he references James chapter two verse nineteen. You believe there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Yes, that we absolutely agree with that. But if you are interpreting that to say that 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 one God means that that, that God is the Father is God and no one else, uh, then you're claiming that Jesus is not God. I don't think you want to make that argument, uh, Stephen. So not sure what James chapter 2, verse 19 tells us. Jake, if you made a statement just before we went to the break about maybe sort of a, an order uh, among the Godhead three, uh, let me suggest 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, verse then, 27. Then come with thee in verse 24, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So that suggests, you know, uh, maybe a hierarchy of, of the deity. Uh, and I don't, and I'm not I'm not real comfortable going much further than that. We don't understand exactly how that works. But that does not argue that Anyone Jesus is. is a created. Well, being. here's another verse that says something similar in John chapter 14, verse uh, 30, uh, verse 28. For, John 14:28. You've heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to my father uh, to the Father. For my Father is greater than I. Uh, there was some there's some rank there. Uh, but no, Jesus is not any less deity than God the Father. There's just some rank there. The Father's well, that's sort of like that's sort of like uh, President Obama and me. Right. You know, he's got a, a far higher rank than I do, but right. he's just a man, and I'm a man. We're say, we're equal. Our huma- in humanity, we are equal. You would say the same thing about your earthly father. My father is greater than I in his rank and in his authority. <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> but 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 we understand that that does that doesn't. Say that they that we are of different you're, you're, nature. I'm less human than you are. Right, right. But there's just a rank there. Yeah. Same thing, Jack. In your military days, there were uh, there were lots of folks that were higher than you, but they were not any less a soldier or any less human or any less valuable than you. There's just rank. Exactly. That needed to be honored. Exactly right. All right. Exactly. All right. Uh, I hope we've covered that. Saturday. Again, there's some disagreement on that. I it's it's. Uh, uh, Stephen in the chat room has, has put several posts there, and the, 
he agrees with us that Jesus is absolutely, you know, unique and and, and, and I would I'm sure Stephen that you would agree that he is divine. Uh, our difference is on that elemental point of whether he was created or not. You know, the, the he mentioned in his post uh, a denomination of famous for taking the position that Jesus was created and and of those that we will have contact with most frequently would be the Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus is a created being. I just don't think that they can harmonize all the verses. And of course, when we when we take on a subject like that, what we've got to do is we've got to make all the verses fit together. They can't contradict each other. And so we and have could, to we have to understand we have to if 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 we have an understanding of verses that causes them to contradict each other, then there's something wrong with our understanding. We we got to go back and reset our understanding so that those verses harmonize. That's right. And uh, and maybe you take one passage that may appear to teach uh, something along the lines of the fact that Jesus created, but those passages have more than one interpretation, and you've got to take the interpretation that harmonize or allows them to be harmonized with everything else. I think that's and, right. Uh, so we've got to do that. All right. Take a, let's take a break. When we get back, we've got to move fast. Oh, boy. Was two. Jesus an angel? We'll, we'll cover that when we get we're back. Going fast. All right. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. He's been married to his college sweetheart for 15 years now. They have two kids, a lovely house in the suburbs, and lots of friends. He's got a good, secure job. Everything looks great. But in recent months, he's been depressed and unhappy. His wife, noticing these changes, has been worried about him. Is he having a midlife crisis? Is there another woman? Finally, she summons up the courage to ask him what's wrong. He assures her that there's no other woman. He would never do such a thing as that. What's the problem? To be totally honest, he says, I just don't love you anymore. Her pain is deep and obvious. But the husband hastens to add, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you and the kids. I'll still be here. I know it would be wrong to get a divorce. I'll fulfill my obligations. We'll keep going on. How do you think the wife will react? Do you imagine that she will be relieved? Will she be happy to know that their marriage will continue, but only as an outward show? Is that enough? Can fulfilling obligations take the place of, I love you? This imaginary account has too many real-life counterparts. We think there are a number of spiritual parallels, too. How many Christians have lost their real love for the Lord? Oh, yes, they continue to go through the motions. They worship regularly and even show up for some of the special things. But it's done out of obligation, not out of genuine love. Will that suffice? Absolutely not. Jesus says, quote, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5. The Lord desires service based on love. Nothing else will do. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Mike Smith, and I'm a member of the College of Church of Christ on Hampshire Pike. Let me ask you some questions. Do you remember when churches insisted on Bible authority for everything they did? Can you recall when church members always expected they thus saith the Lord? Can you remember when the church was well known for its book, chapter, and verse style of teaching and preaching? Are you upset because the church you're attending doesn't always doesn't always approach things this way anymore? Does it concern you that elders and preachers don't seem to care about Bible authority at all? We're still trying to do everything according to the New Testament pattern. If you're looking for a church like the one you remember from the past, please visit us soon at the College of Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. A streaming Bible study. 
Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the program tonight. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us on our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you have any questions or comments, and we'd love to hear from you anytime, questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about Jesus and some misconceptions and false ideas about him tonight. One one quick thing, we got to move on from this discussion of what Jesus created. Uh, in, in the chat room, Stephen said, my view does not make him less than deity. Rob S. in the chat room responds, actually, it does, Stephen. You minimize him by calling him a created being. Part of the, and, and I would agree, one of the definitions of deity is without beginning and without end. Right. And so he is not fully deity if he had a beginning point. I agree with that. So, He's not eternal. Yeah, so that that that's just that's that's sort of the heart of the, of the question, and we got to move on. I think we've covered it as well as we can, and l- let's go on. I think we can dispatch this next one pretty quick. Jesus, uh, Jacob, Jesus was an angel is a mistake. Another view. common view held by well uh, by the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, yeah. that uh, Jesus was an angel. Yeah, they they actually try to correlate Jesus with Michael the Archangel. That's right. You know, they the Jehovah's Witnesses will try to tell you that Jesus, when he was on Earth, was actually a Physical manifestation of Michael the Archangel. Yeah, because he's going to return with the, the trump, uh, trumpet of, of, of Michael. So therefore, well, that must mean that Jesus is Michael. Uh, a pretty long stretch there. But uh, Hebrews chapter 1 is very clear that Jesus is not an angel. Yeah, uh, yeah that's long the, That's discourse. the purpose of uh, that of chapter 1 there, it seems, is to, yeah. to, to, to differentiate him from an angel. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible that people could take that position. Uh, uh, verse 5 Unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. It's and a rhetorical it, question. The answer is none of the angels. Yeah. I mean, he just never, you know, so, I mean, and then it goes on. Uh, uh, but, and unto the angels, he says, who makes his angels uh, uh, spirits and his ministers flame of fire. But to the son, he says. And so there's a differentiation there, verse 7, verse 8. He says something to the angels, but then he says something to the son. Jesus is not one of the angels. Yeah, very very clear. You know, another argument you can make, and angels refuse worship. In Revelation chapter 22, verses 8 and 9, John tried to worship the angel, and the angel forbade him mm-hmm. to worship. But Jesus accepted worship of men. Matthew 8, verse 2, chapter 9, verse 18, chapter 14, verse 33. So... Uh, you know, angels won't let you worship him. Jesus allows men to worship him and, re- and requires men to worship him, really. And so there's just a lot of proof that Jesus is not an angel. See what? Let's see what our uh, well, Randy in the chat. Randy in Schwartz Creek, Michigan, references Hebrews chapter one, verses four through eight. Thank you, Randy, for that. Uh, and then uh, Ramona references Hebrews chapter as one, uh, chapter one as well. All angels work to worship Jesus. And then Patrick in the chat room says the Seventh Day Adventist and the Jehovah's Witnesses are modern sects which believe this. However, this false doctrine was, in a sense, already being spread in the first century during the time of apostles by a Gnostic sect called the Docist. Yeah, that's uh, right. I read a little of that today. Yeah, they did not specifically teach that Jesus was an angel, but they did teach that Jesus was not really human and only a spirit who merely appeared human. Uh, the Paulicians, uh, another her- heretical sect uh, from the seventh century, uh, specifically did not teach or specifically did teach that Jesus was merely an angel. I would point to resources on these early heresies as well as to resources uh, of the Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists for more information. Thank you, Sam. Uh, uh, we got an email from Anthony, and he says, John 1.1 says that he was God. Also, he was made a little lower than the angels, Hebrews 2, verse 7. So either way, he wasn't an angel. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 7 says when Jesus came to live among men, he was made a little lower than the angels, uh, Anthony says either way he wasn't an angel. Lastly, he is said to have had angels at his command. 
doesn't make much sense for him to be an angel with an army of angels. Second Thessalonians one verse seven. All right, I think that one's one of the easy ones too. All right, let's move to the next one, Jacob. A misunderstanding about Jesus. He was the same person as the Father. Um, here, often when we're having discussions with people in the religious world, we will, we will come into contact with some in the United Pentecostal Church. Sometimes you'll hear them referred to as oneness Pentecostals mm-hmm. or Jesus-only mm-hmm. Pentecostals. And they say that Jesus was merely the earthly name of God the Father. While God the Father was on earth, he took the name Jesus. But right. it's the same being, one being. Uh, there's just one being, the Godhead. They, they do not... They deny that there's a distinct person, God the Father, a distinct person, Jesus the Son, a distinct person, the Holy Spirit. They believe all three are just one. Different manifestations of the same being is the position taken by the oneness Pentecostal. And Randy in Schwartz Creek, Michigan, I think he sews it up pretty easily here with Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. The baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist, where all three are present at the same time. Jesus is present in the flesh there. God the Father speaking, and then the Spirit of God descending like a dove in Matthew chapter 3. I think that's an excellent That's a good answer. I, I like John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, verse 37, uh, uh, Jesus said, The Father himself which sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither, neither heard his voice. In other words, and then back up to in chapter 5, John chapter 5, I can of my own self do nothing as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will but the will of the Father which has sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. And then he says the Father himself, verse 37, has sent me and has borne witness of me. Well, that's a deceptive argument. If right. Jesus is just one being in two different forms, he's saying, well, you can't testify about yourself. It doesn't prove anything. Right. But if you've got a, a, another witness testifying about you, it proves a point. But if the fact of the matter was the other witness was himself too, he's making a shady argument there. Right. It's deceptive. It is deceptive. That's an excellent argument. And, Ray, and Patrick in Birmingham says this heresy is in modern times associated with oneness Pentecostals, but it is actually a reemergence of the heresy of modalism, which originated in the third century with the teachings of, uh, teachings of Sibelius. I would refer to early church responses uh, to this heresy as a starting point. So th- thanks for your Lincoln. for your history references, Patrick. And what's kind of interesting is that a lot of these positions have been around for a long time. Yeah, uh, kind of interesting. The, the one is Pentecostals don't like Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse nineteen, where they're told to go and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That sort of well, you know negative. what they say about that? They say, "What is His name? What is the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit? Jesus." <laughs> I've, I've talked to him about that. Okay. And they said, "Well, he, there, there is a name." The name is Jesus. Ah, that's how they that's how they right. quibble okay. that point. Okay. All right. So uh, again, uh, Patrick the, also says all three persons were present on the Mount of Transfiguration as well. Exactly that's right. right. Okay. Exactly right. And Jesus said he would send the Holy Spirit. John chapter fifteen verse twenty six. Uh, so that would mean that uh, there are two different beings there. So okay. Okay. That's so right. and we got Randy and we got Patrick and, and Ramona did the and, Passover. Okay. All right. So let's keep moving. Okay. Uh, have we? Did we take our bottom of the hour break? We, we did. did. Yeah. We're, we're, we're doing, losing track. But you, you were not making good time. He was the right. same person as a father. You did that one. Okay, so he the, was one prophet among many. Okay. Now, what about this? There there are some people who take the position that Jesus was certainly a, a prophet of God. Uh, there were lots of prophets of God. Jesus was just one of them. He was a pretty good one, in fact. Uh, well, he was a prophet. We can't uh, deny that. He was a prophet. But the Islam speaks – actually – 
the religion of Islam, the Muslims, they speak fairly highly of Jesus as a prophet, but they deny, of course, his claim to being deity. Uh, they, they deny that he died on the cross, certainly deny the resurrection. They say Jesus was a prophet. Muhammad was the last and greatest of the prophets. So they say Muhammad was greater than Jesus. Uh, but Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me, John 14, verse 6. In John 8, verse 24, he says, Except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. The apostle Peter said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, There is salvation in none other name under heaven given among men. So he's so, not just another prophet. No, that's right. All right. Um, Randy in Swartz Creek, Michigan says, Jesus was a prophet indeed, but he is... The prophet that Moses said would come and is the one the children of Israel were to listen to. Jesus is deity, and and Randy's reference in John chapter or Acts chapter seven verse thirty seven, uh, where uh, Stephen says, "This is that Moses which was said to the children of Israel, Prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me him ye shall hear." And so Jesus was that prophet that Moses alluded to so many years prior. Stephen makes a good point about Muhammad. Did he ever prophesy anything or fulfill even one prophecy? No. There's no claim that Muhammad was uh, deity. There's no claim that Muhammad was resurrected. Uh, Muhammad falls far short of even the, you know, even the claims of Muhammad, let alone any proof of, uh, of the reality of those claims, is far short of Jesus. And Jack, uh, why don't you give us your comment there? Uh, what I was just saying in Matthew uh, chapter 11, verses 9 through 11. Um, but what did you go to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And one who is more than a prophet. This is the one of about whom is written. So that shows, indicates that Jesus is more than just a prophet. All right. Uh, well, actually, though, the, Jack, I think there he's talking about John the Baptist. That's right. That I, I, think that, uh, I think that reference is to John the Baptist. Uh, I apologize. I, I believe that one is talking about John. Okay. All right. But uh, we don't deny that Jesus was a prophet. But he was not only a prophet. He okay. was the divine son of God. Okay. Identifying right. him as a prophet does not diminish him as the divine son of God. No, it doesn't. And uh, so, okay. All right. Uh, so we've got, let's, uh, well, okay. Well, we got time. We got, we got time. Maybe here. time for one more. Uh, I don't know that we're going to get through all of question two, though. Well, we'll see here. But let's 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 take let's at least introduce the next one of these misconceptions about Jesus or false ideas about Jesus. Jesus was a deceiver who tried to manipulate events to convince people he was the Messiah. Now, you know, here's how this argument goes. The Old Testament has lots of prophecies about one that God was going to send, the promised Savior or Messiah. Uh, there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about this coming Messiah. Of course, the Jews in the time of Jesus were, were looking for the Messiah. They were seeking the Messiah. Well, the argument is made, Jesus wasn't really the Son of God. He was actually just sort of a megalomaniac. He was a nut. But he knew his Old Testament. Mm-hmm. You know, he had read, and he'd read those prophecies about the Messiah, and so here's what he decided to do. He decided he would go about to begin to self-fulfill the prophecies. Mm-hmm. In other words, okay, let me see. Here's what, here's what Isaiah said about the Messiah. I'm going to do that. So that I, you know, and, and, and so that he, he sort of manipulated events in his life in order to make it look like he was the Messiah, trying to fulfill those prophecies. Well, you might be able to do that about some of the prophecies of the Messiah, but there's a lot of them you couldn't do that about. For instance, you can't control where you are born. No, and, you can't. And, and, you know, it had been prophesied Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Right. You know, well, this guy was born in, in uh, uh, you know, wherever, you know, in, in Caesarea, wherever, you know. Okay. 
so he he couldn't you know it a, a maniac who's trying to deceive people believing his messiah could not go all the way he couldn't get that all done okay uh but so the argument is that that's what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy wrote a book, Hugh Schoenfeld, back in the, uh, I forget when he wrote this. Uh, a guy named Hugh Schoenfeld wrote a book called The Passover Plot. And mm-hmm. he really tries to develop this idea that Jesus was trying to deceive people into believing that he was the Messiah. Um, what would you say about that? How would you answer someone who makes that argument? Well, let's, should we take a break and then get your thoughts? Yeah, let's, yeah, we do let's do that. Let's take a break, and then you can send your thoughts in the chat room. Uh, let us know your thoughts. How do you prove that Jesus was really the Messiah, and he wasn't someone who was just a deceiver trying to pose as the Messiah presented in the Old Testament? Let us know your thoughts during the break, and we'll get them on the other side. We'll go to the top of the hour after these important messages. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty, there it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned, there it stands. Emperors decree its extermination, there it stands. Atheists rail against it, there it stands. Agnostics smile cynically, there it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it, there it stands. Unbelief abandons it, there it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Of the 3,952,841 babies who were born in the United States in the year 2012, 1,609,619, or 40.7%, were born to unmarried mothers. This is according to a new CDC report. 2012 thus marked the fifth straight year that 40% or more of the babies born in the United States were born to unmarried women. The percentage of American babies born to unmarried mothers has more than doubled since 1980. That year, only 18.4% of the babies born in the United States were born to unmarried mothers. That information is via cnsnews.com. The Word of God says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program tonight. Shocking statistics there you had about uh, unwed mothers. Uh, but here's here's the danger of the society we live in. That's that's shocking. But um, Jack, do you not find yourself when you see two heterosexual people that are not they're, they're maybe cohabiting? Does that not give you a little bit of relief that it's, at least it's not homosexuals? I mean, I mean, I mean. So <laughs> well, that's that, a sad. St- that that's is. A- I mean, we got to catch our, We got to check our thinking because it, we get to that point, don't we? Yeah. Uh, because the world around us is so wicked, we've got to make sure we bring ourselves back in line with the scriptures and say oh, it's all sin. It's all equally sinful. Uh, but what would give you more? Uh, what would be more repulsive to you? Two uh, 
two men living next door or a man and a woman who are not married living next door. Uh, they both ought to be repulsive to us. So we've got we to make sure that we don't let the world rub off on us. All right. What, what about this idea that Jesus was just a manipulator, kind of a nut job who tried to manipulate people and events into believing that he was the promised Messiah? How would you answer people? Well, Stephen in the chat room says, Stoner, a mathematician, concluded on eight prophecies. The odds are one in one with a whole lot of zeros of any man fulfilling eight prophecies. And I think we talked about this a little bit last week or the week before, where uh, the the odds are that you fill up the whole yeah. state of Texas with half that, dollars. That, or... that, that study is done in a book by Peter Stoner. His name's Peter Stoner, and he did, wrote a book called Science Speaks. And in it, he did that statistical analysis. He took eight prophecies about Jesus, where he would be born, how he would die, and, and, and so I don't remember what the, all the eight were, but he just took eight. And there's hundreds of prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. He, he picked out just eight of them and said that the odds of anyone by chance being able to fulfill just those eight prophecies would be one, I think, one, one ten to the 17th power. Uh, he's got 39. If I'm reading right here, Stephen's got 39 zeros. I, but I forget what that was, but it was an asterisk. It's a lot of, no, a lot of zeros. When either way, it's, it's effectively far, zero. Yeah, the zeros are adding up there. Yeah, it, yeah. And uh, Stephen goes on and says Jesus fulfilled about a hundred. I think. Uh, I think it's more like three hundred. Yeah, I think it's a large. It's a huge number. But anyhow, um, that that is the case. Uh, Peter has an. Or, I'm sorry, Patrick has an interesting argument. He references Gamaliel's argument in Acts chapter five uh, that if it was just uh, Gamaliel had enough sense to know that if this is just a, a con man, that it'll die out if you give it enough time. And it has not died out. So Gamaliel's uh, observation lends credence to the fact that Jesus was not making this all up because we're still following him today. Yeah, I I think that's exactly right. Uh, You know, and even the enemies of Jesus were not able to uh, effectively deny the power of the miracles that he performed. Um, I was trying to look uh, where even his enemies... uh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on that. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to skip that. But it, even his enemies weren't able to effectively deny the power of the miracles that he performed. Stephen mm-hmm. says there were three, 300 types of prophecies. I, 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 didn't, I don't know that distinction, Stephen. Maybe you'll have to give a little more information on that. Uh, okay. Uh, 300 distinct prophecies or 300 types or 30 types. Uh, give us a little more info. on Patrick says there were imposters before Jesus, after Jesus, especially before 70 A.D. and even today. Remember David Koresh in Waco, Texas? I even saw a documentary about a modernistic uh, or a messianic, a modern messianic cult in Russia. Yeah. So it still goes on. Still goes on today. All right. Okay. So, again, uh, if, if Jesus was just a manipulator, the people who knew him best... Uh, would have seen through that, and it would have come to nothing, Guest, like Gamaliel said in Acts chapter 5. Guest 801 says, if he was manipulating people, how did he rise to he- into heaven? Uh, uh, excellent argument. And and how did he control things about his uh, death as well? Uh, the idea that no bones would be broken, how would you control that? How would you get uh, the, the Roman soldiers to not break your bones uh, if... Uh, if you were just a, an imposter when they were going around to break the bones of the others on the cross. Yeah. Randy says about this, what Jesus did was all out in the open for all to see and was not done behind closed doors. The priest and high priest, as well as the Sadducees and the Pharisees, these could not prove that Jesus was deceiver. On the contrary, he proved to those around him 
and living among the Pharisees and Sadducees. And some of the Pharisees believe that Jesus was indeed the, the Messiah to come. All right. All right. Well, I think, Jacob, what we're going to probably do is is do what was suggested in the chat room early on. We couldn't get through all this tonight. It's too, we took off. We, we tried to bite too, take too big of a bite, and we can't chew it all down in one short uh, session. Let's reserve the discussion about some arguments made that Jesus misbehaved or sinned. You know, the, the argument is that uh, he did wrong, therefore he can't be what he claimed to be. We, we offered four different examples that are sometimes attacked by skeptics. We may add to that list, and we'll try to make that our topic for discussion next week. All right, we've got one more to this week. All right, one more misconception about Jesus that we'll cover this week, the last one under our number one, if you were looking at your uh, update from earlier today. Uh, uh, he was a good man, but he was nothing else. What about that? Randy says a good man cannot raise the dead. A good man cannot make the blind see. A good man cannot... Uh, uh, I don't know here. Wait, wait, did, did it get cut off? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not high anyhow uh, a good man cannot feed thousands with a few fish and three loaves of bread uh, jesus was uh, de- his deity everything he did proved that he was uh, so yeah something, something funny there in that answer yeah, I don't know how yeah. To... so the spell checker may have gotten you there randy yeah and uh ramona uh says, she skipped on she that skipped one that one too and uh, i'm just losing my computer my battery just went oh your dead. battery went dead well you and i had stuff. a i had a response there from anthony but i didn't i didn't get that one Okay. Uh, what about this? What, what would we say? Jesus is a good man, but that's all. Well, uh, so, some people have taken that position. I had a quote here from Steve Allen, the entertainer. He's dead now, but uh, uh, he wrote a couple of books in which he just really railed against the Bible. But even he, who was not a believer, said, Among human heroes, Jesus is supreme, for he not only preached, but apparently demonstrated the virtues of compassion, charity, love, courage, faith, and intelligence. Jesus approaches the ideal of perfection more closely than anyone else who has ever lived. Uh, In other words, he's saying he was really a good man, but he wasn't. He wasn't deity. But think about that. If he wasn't deity, then he wasn't a good man because he claimed to be deity. He claimed to be the son of God. If he wasn't, then he was a liar and a deceiver. And, and, and he, and, and think about it this way. Uh, if he's not the, if, if he lied about that, uh, and he did, of course, if, if, if it was a lie, it was a consistent and continuous lie. He led many to sacrifice their very lives for the belief that he was the son of God when, in fact, he wasn't the son of God. He wasn't a very good guy. Nothing at all good about him. If he was just a man, uh, a good man, a good teacher, if that's so, uh, well, it's not so. It can't be so. In fact, it's a self-contradictory concept. Patrick says the most obvious uh, was addressed by C.S. Lewis. He couldn't have been just a good man and nothing more because he claimed to be God. And if he claimed to be God but was a mere man, he was either insane or a liar. Uh, so that's yeah, absolutely yeah, okay. so yeah, there's yeah. nothing absolutely nothing good about someone who would who would take on uh, that impersonation. Exactly right. All right. I think that's exactly right. Uh, of course, Jesus claimed that he was more than a, just a good person. He argued that he came from heaven, John six verse forty eight, beginning that he was the Christ, the Son of the Living God, Matthew sixteen, beginning verse sixteen, and that he shared the same nature as the Father, John chapter ten verse thirty. He claimed to be God. If he wasn't then he was he was a horrible person. 
All right. So he couldn't be a good man and not be the divine son of God. All right. Well, uh, we have uh, we have gone as far as we want to go this week. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna stop with that. We had we had suggested we were gonna talk about some false ideas about Jesus, and we did. And here's the ones we covered. And these are all wrong in our opinion, and based upon what we understand the Bible to teach. Some argue he never really existed, but of course he did. Some argue he was just a created being, but we think the Bible clearly teaches that he was not created. Some say he was only an angel. Some say he was just the, he was the same person as the father, just under a different form. Some people say he was a prophet, but there have been lots of prophets. Some say he was a deceiver who tried to manipulate events to prove he was the Messiah. And finally, some argue he was just a good man, but nothing more than that. All those are false ideas. But, Jacob, you know, it's really not too surprising when you think about the significance of Jesus in the history of this world. It's not too surprising that a lot of people would come up with some crazy notions about him. Uh, many of them would be attempts to discredit him in the minds of people. Uh, and then others, I think, maybe just honestly have misunderstood Bible passages on certain aspects of the And the motivations are the same as they have been from the first century. People in the first century did not like his teachings, did not like his claims. And, uh, and as a result, they tried to discredit him in the first century. And the, the, the trend has continued all the way through to the present. Exactly. Uh, because we do not like the the implications that uh, come if Jesus is, in fact, God, and, and he is, in fact, the one we should be following. All right. All right. So next week next we're going to look at some events in Jesus' life. Did he do wrong? John 2, in the way that he spoke to his mother. Uh-huh. Uh, Matthew 8, when he destroyed swine that didn't belong to him. Mm-hmm. Was that wrong of him? Number three, when he told his brothers he was not going to go to the feast in John chapter 7, but later went mm-hmm. to the feast. And finally, did he do wrong when he actually, did he actually deny being God in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 and 18? All right, we'll talk about those. And we have a challenge for our listeners. If you have any questions about certain things in Jesus' life that uh, you may have think, well, did he do wrong here? You know, we probably ought to throw in the showbread or the uh, gathering grain on the uh, Sabbath day. That ought to be okay, one we put yeah. in there. We'll, we'll republish this list and probably add to it for our study next week. And if you have anything that you think should be added to that list, let us know as well. We'll look forward to hearing from you on that. We'll make the list uh, maybe a little longer, and we'll get it back out to you next Thursday on the update list, and we'll look forward to that discussion next week. Been a good discussion, Dad. Lots of misconceptions. I think that the scriptures are clear and give us the answer to uh, how to answer those misconceptions. So. Good discussion. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Jack, for being here, for your feedback and your participation. Appreciate you joining us tonight. And thank you for listening to to the program. We hope you benefit from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College 
College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.